1: The parents of Moses hid him, it says, without being afraid of the king's edict. They didn't know that their lives were going to be spared. They didn't know anything about Pharaoh's daughter finding Moses. They didn't know that they'd have the privilege of taking him back in the home for some time. They didn't know what was going to happen. All they knew that if they were caught, they're dead, they're killed. But they risked their lives to obey God and hide the baby by faith, by faith in the word of God.
2: Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. At the end of our last class, Pastor Steve was discussing the relationship between fear and faith. Now, faith gives us the courage to obey God regardless of the consequences, even if we face death. Now, we don't often face death for our faith in our culture, although many people are dying for Christ in other countries. Yet we do have to pay a price for our faith from time to time, don't we? It might cost us money or friendship, and that can hurt. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel since 1981. He's been taking us on an extended tour of Hebrews chapter 11 over the last couple of weeks. Today's class is the middle portion of his sixth message on the subject. If you would like to hear the whole message at one time, stay with us, and after class, I'll tell you how you can get it. If you have your Bible and want to follow along with Pastor Steve, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. In our last lesson, Pastor Steve was dealing with the wonderful example of Joseph. Now we're about to leap ahead in history almost 400 years. Here's Pastor Steve to continue our lesson.
1: So, first of all, what do we learn about faith? That faith triumphs over death. You don't have to fear death. Joseph knew that there was a future day coming and God would keep his word, and we believe that too. Secondly, faith not only triumphs over death, but faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear, and we see this with the faith of the parents of Moses. Verse 23 of Hebrews 11, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, it looks at first glance like this is the faith of Moses, but I assure you, Moses had nothing to do with this. He was an infant. Infants don't have faith. This is the parents of Moses that the writer is talking about, and the background of, of, of the, of this verse is Exodus chapters one and two. So from the writer's perspective to the Hebrews, we're moved now from Genesis to Exodus. He's just moving along Jewish history. And Exodus chapters one and two tell us the story that after Joseph's death in Egypt, a new Pharaoh ruled the, the Egyptian land. And this Pharaoh, this king of Egypt, was not sympathetic to Joseph. The way the Bible puts it, there arose a king who knew not Joseph, which obviously means there was a new dynasty, and there were other things going on in the history of of Egypt. At that time, you had to take over a takeover of people who were really not Egyptians, and then another takeover, and so so with all the political intrigue going on there, a new pharaoh ruled Egypt, wasn't sympathetic to Joseph, wasn't sympathetic to the Hebrew people, And in fact, he was threatened by the Jewish people because uh, Exodus says that they began to multiply. They had a lot of children. And the Pharaoh feared that with their population explosion becoming so large that if an enemy attacked Egypt, they, the Hebrew people, who are now very, very uh, large in numbers, they would join the Egyptian enemies and defeat Egypt, and then they would just leave. So he devised a plan, and he enslaved the Jewish people. He put them to hard labor, and then he wanted to do something about the population explosion. So Pharaoh, this Pharaoh, established a law that all Hebrew male babies were to be drowned in the Nile River. Now, this is just what, Genesis, what Exodus is talking about, and we didn't, we didn't go back there, but you can read it on your own. To stop this population explosion, his plan was to snuff out every male child as soon as the child was born. Very cruel, very horrible, and uh, the plan didn't work. The midwives would not cooperate with this, and uh, God had something else in mind. The plan didn't work. However, However, actually, I should say it initially didn't work, and then there were some other things. Yes, initially, he... Uh, he told the midwives to kill them, but then that didn't work. Then he said they're to be drowned in the Nile, and that plan was working. And here's where verse 23 comes in. And let's look again at verse 23, because this is the context in which the parents of Moses have to protect their child. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden means his parents hid him, for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Okay? So what we have now is that the parents of Moses, Jochebed and Amram, hid him for three months. Exodus chapter 2 tells us that after three months, his parents, and this is a very famous story, been motion pictures made about this, his parents. Actually, it says his mother in Exodus. But in in Hebrews, it says both his parents were involved. So I take it that his father and mother consulted about this, but it was actually his mother who did the work of placing Moses in a waterproof basket. She placed him on the Nile River. And then Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe in that very spot and found the baby. In fact, she named him. Uh, Moses or, or, uh, Moishi means to draw out. She drew him out of the Nile. But in the meantime, the sister of Moses was watching. Her name was Miriam, was watching all this, and she persuaded Pharaoh's daughter to call for a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby. And of course, in God's providential workings, that Hebrew mother turned out to be Jochebed, the mother of of Moses. And so, she was able, the very mother of Moses was able to raise him uh, as she nursed him at least for some for some time, and in those days they nursed a lot longer than most people nurse today. So she had him to nurture not only physically, but spiritually she could as well. So, a closer look at Hebrews 11:23 tells us something very interesting. It tells us why the parents of Moses defied Pharaoh's orders, orders, because they saw he was a beautiful child. Now that is an unusual statement because you show me one mother and father who don't think their child is beautiful. I mean, every parent thinks that their child is a genius. Their child is gifted. Their child is the most beautiful. I remember years ago, a a father very proudly holding his infant uh, daughter and showing off his daughter, and the daughter was just—I think actually—days, maybe weeks old. And and he said, "Look, she's so bright, she's smiling." I knew that little infants don't smile, and I said, uh, probably burst his bubble. I said, "Has it ever occurred to you that maybe she has gas?" That's a look of gas. I only—that's a smile. And um, but you see, every parent thinks. Theirs is the most beautiful child. So why then? How are we to interpret this, that Moses' parents looked at him and said, this child is beautiful, we're going to hide him. What Hebrew mother and father didn't think that? So there must be something else to this. There must be something that's beneath the surface. And here's where you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. So let's turn to Acts chapter 7, because just before Stephen died, he was, he was stoned to death. He was the first Christian martyr. In Acts chapter 7, he gives to the Sanhedrin, the ruling body in Israel, he gives up an entire uh, course to them in Hebrew history, in the history of the Jewish people. And he tells us something that the Bible does not tell us any other place. Stephen says and he, his comments on Moses, and he speaks quite a bit about Moses, in Acts chapter 7, verse 20, It was at that time that Moses was born, and he was, watch this, lovely in the sight of God. And he was nurtured three months in his father's home. So literally, it means that he was lovely to God. He was lovely to God. Now, that's different than just being physically beautiful, And so when we put this together, it means that there was more than simply a physical attraction in in the appearance of Moses. He was lovely to God. There was something special about this child that his parents recognized and they discerned that God had special plans for this special child. It wasn't that he was just good looking. Although I take it that he was physically attractive, but it was through the, the attraction physically that his parents were able to discern beneath the surface that there was something special about this child. And I, and I, and I think I know what was going on there without the Bible explicitly saying this. Let me put a few things together. In Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15, God promised Abraham something about the land, that the Jewish people would not possess the land for a number of years. In Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So God predicted to Abraham the promise is yours, the land is yours, but your people are going to be enslaved in a foreign land for 400 years. Then he said, verse 14, but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve and afterward they will come out with many possessions. So here before it ever happened was a prediction of going into the land, being there for 400 years and then being delivered and coming out of that land and going and and coming now to the promised land.
2: I imagine that many people are not aware of the prediction that God gave to Abraham as part of the promise. God used a round number. It turned out to be 430 years to be precise. But God's point wasn't that Abraham know the exact number of years, but that he would understand that there would be a long delay before his descendants could take the land that God had promised. Obviously, God knew to the second how long the Hebrews would be in Egypt. Well, in just a minute, Pastor Steve will tie these things together and move on in the lesson. Right now, we would like to welcome you if you just tuned in. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel for over 25 years. This daily Bible class of the air is an extension of his teaching ministry at Lakeside. If you missed the start of class, I'll tell you at the end of the lesson how you can listen again at our website. Let's return to class now. Here is Pastor Steve.
1: So let me put this together. It may very well have been that God revealed to the parents of Moses, or maybe just gave them spiritual discernment, that their little boy was the chosen deliverer to take the children of Israel back to the land. And they could have figured out that the 400 years was almost up, Here, this infant was born to them. God may have very well, as I said, revealed directly to them or just given them discernment that this one is the one I've chosen. He made them aware in one way or another that that he had special plans for Moses, that he was lovely to God, that he was a chosen instrument, and his physical beauty on the outside was a sign of something deeper beneath the surface. He was special, destined to be used by God to accomplish great things for his enslaved people. And therefore, by faith, by faith in the promise of God, what God had revealed to them, God had made known to them, the parents of Moses hid him, it says, without being afraid of the king's edict. Now his parents didn't know how the story was going to end up. They They didn't know that their lives were going to be spared. They didn't know anything about Pharaoh's daughter, uh, finding moses they didn't know that they'd have the privilege of taking him back in the home for some time they didn't know what was going to happen all they knew that if they is that if they were caught they're dead they're killed but they risked their lives to obey god and hide the baby by faith by faith in the word of god now what does that tell us about faith what's the principle that affects us faith overcomes all fear Faith just drives out fears. That's what happened with the parents of Moses. It will drive your fears away too. That's the way faith operates. Faith means that when God's word commands us to do something, we obey regardless of what the circumstances might be, regardless of what the consequences might lead to, regardless of what might happen to you. Now, here's the point. We have to recognize that, yes, God uh, is the sovereign one. But we also recognize that a human king or government is powerful, and they can take our lives. They can take our lives, or they can sentence us to prison. But God is almighty. It's a matter of which king are you going to obey, the human king or the divine king. We have to believe what God says, and we have to act upon it. And I'll tell you, there's a great passage, and you need to turn to Luke chapter 12. It's also found in, in Matthew 10. But But Luke chapter 12 tells us about, uh, and it ties in with this, how how to live by faith and not fear, the fear of men. We all have fears of men to a certain degree. We all struggle with that, but you can overcome it. You don't have to be paralyzed by that. Many of us are paralyzed in our Christian lives because we fear what people might say or do to us, and therefore we have very weak Christian testimonies. But Luke chapter 12 ought to give us great courage, verses 4 and 5. And this is in the context of discipleship, of following Christ, that Jesus says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who will kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. That is to say, don't be afraid of what, of what human authority can do to you. No, because the, You know what the worst thing they can do to you is? They could kill you. That's the worst. You say, that's pretty bad. No, it's really not. Not when you believe that there's a future eternity for you. Because notice verse five. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I say, I tell you fear him. Now the Lord is not saying let's fear that, don't, let's fear God because he might send us to hell. What he is saying, he's making a contrast. Don't fear human authority because all they can do is just end your physical life. But you ought to have a reverence and a fear for divine authority for the, for the eternal king, because not only does he have the authority to take your life, he has the authority to send you to hell. He deals with eternal matters. So he's the one that you ought to care more about than a human authority. Okay, let's stay at Luke chapter 12 for a moment. But let me comment on this. If you want to overcome the fear of men, then you have to be committed to doing what's right and obeying God. You have to be committed to that. And it's this sense of doing what God wants wants you to do that will give you tremendous courage in the face of danger because you no longer fear what people will do to you because you have a deeper fear and reverential respect and commitment and devotion to God. Story is told, true story, in the 16th century, there was an English minister named Hugh Latimer. He's rather well-known in church history. Hugh Latimer was that English minister, and while he was preaching one day, King Henry the Eighth was present, and Latimer knew that what he had to say in his sermon would not be well received by King Henry the Eighth. He wouldn't like it. So in the pulpit, he silently thought to himself, Latimer, 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 be careful what you say. Henry the King is here. And that was going on in his mind. And as he paused for a moment, another thought hit him. And he thought, Latimer, Be careful what you say, the king of kings is here. That's the real issue. Yes, King Henry is not going to like it, but all he can do is take your body and, and snuff it out. But be careful what you say because the king of kings is here and he's the one we ultimately have to please. You see, when your eyes are on the greater king, And not on a human king, you won't fear what the human king says. You will fear what the eternal king of kings has to say. You say, but but I'm afraid what they might do to me. I'm afraid maybe they'll hurt me. They might, but notice this as we look at Luke chapter 12. Again, verse 6. Are not five sparrows, little birds, sold for two cents? And they were in that day and age. And yet not one of them is forgotten by God. When you see a a sparrow that's sold or dead on the road, the Bible says that God doesn't forget. God cares about them. God actually takes an interest in those little sparrows. Verse 7, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And I'll not make any comments about that because every time a pastor deals with this, he has to make a comment. So do not fear. And here's the point not the baldness of people. Here's the point. Do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus Christ did not die for sparrows. Sparrows were not made in the very image of God. We are more valuable to him. Therefore, he says in verse 8, and I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the son of man shall confess him also before the angels of God. That is to say, have courage. Don't be afraid. And he who denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And he's not talking about a one-time denial. He's talking about a permanent denial, which proves that a person doesn't know Christ. What's he saying? What he's saying is that when you face danger, understand that God is the absolute one in authority. So we have to obey him and understand that he cares about you. He hasn't forgotten you. If he takes care of sparrows and cares about them, and he knows all the, the hairs on our head, don't think that when you're in danger, he's going to turn away from you. Now, you see, this attitude, with this attitude, this is the stuff that martyrs are made of. But there are a great many Christians who will not be physical martyrs, and this goes beyond martyrdom. Because there are a great many believers in the business world, for example, who succumb to pressures to do wrong to do wrong rather than obeying God, rather than trusting God to do what's right. And there are many people who are pressured into doing unethical things and things that they feel they have to or their job might be, be cut from them or they might be persecuted or they might not have friends. Listen, this is the kind of stuff you need to grab hold of to remember that when you're faced in those situations, you have a greater king that you answer to. Secondly, that he cares about you You matter to him and that he'll take care of you. So I tell you, faith in God's word means that we obey him and it just drives out fear because God is the ultimate almighty one. And keep in mind, remember this, this is primarily what he's saying in in Hebrews 11. This is primarily a message for the Hebrews of that day, of the first century, who were being pressured to return to Judaism and to abandon Jesus Christ, and they feared for their lives. Why do you think some of them wanted to go back to Judaism? They couldn't handle the pressure. They didn't like being ostracized. Uh, they didn't like the thought of maybe laying down their life. But they needed to look at the parents of Moses as well. We, as we do to see that the way faith is, it triumphs over fear. It obeys the eternal king rather than fear the human king. Are you going to take that to heart? And this week is your face with decisions to make, but people might not like you, but you may get uh, uh, pressure somewhere. It may cost you some popularity. Are you going to trust God? that's, That's the question here. That's the practical application. Faith drives out fears. So we know that faith triumphs over death and faith overcomes fear. Third practical truth, and this is really tremendous, that you need to just pay careful attention, especially young people who are at the crossroads of life and haven't quite made decisions yet about their livelihood and their spouse and things like that. But faith makes the right decisions. Faith helps us to make the proper decisions in life.
2: Actually, Hugh Latimer outlived Henry VIII. He also survived Henry's son, Edward. In fact, Edward was a student of the Bible. However, when Edward's sister took the throne, she chose to return England to Catholicism. In 1555, Latimer and Nicholas Kramer were burned at the stake by Queen Mary. As the flames rose, Latimer is said to have called out to Ridley, Be of good comfort, Mr. Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. Well, that should make our trial seem rather minor. Would you agree? Thanks for joining us today for Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our instructor. Pastor Steve's 25-plus years of teaching ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida has given rise to this daily radio Bible class. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. If you would like to hear today's program again or to enable a friend to hear it, it's available on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the audio for later listening. We also offer a free podcasting service. The previous classes are available on our archives page. That web address again, versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to order an audio CD or cassette tape with Pastor Steve's entire message, please call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. number again, 727-239-0306. In our next class, we will take a look at the life of Moses to see how faith helps us make the right decisions. I hope you can join us.
0: We are here to give you strength between...